We've been casting vision for a few weeks as we move into 2020. And we've entitled our series, Lord, How Can We Be More Useful to You? And this is from 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 11, where Paul <clears throat> wrote to Timothy and said, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. And church, that should be the desire of every one of our hearts, that we would have this testimony with God and with others, that we are useful to the Lord in ministry. The overall vision for Victory Faith Church, could we put that up, please, girls? Our vision statement is loving others first through kindness, generosity, and compassion. That is what this in, uh, ministry purposes to do. <clears throat> this is our heart. Because God first loved us, we have been born again into his kingdom, and he will empower us to love others, church, in a greater degree than we ever imagined possible. Maybe you have not yet realized how great a call God has put upon your life. But God has purposed, you will be very useful to him in ministry. So the root of every vision that God gives his people, I'm going to tell you what the root and the foundation of every thought God has toward us is love. God is love. And in him, church, there's no shadow of turning. He, he never just loves us a little or loves others a little. God is love. And so in 2020, we as Victory Faith Church, we want to set our faith and purpose in our hearts to grow in the love of God. Love is not just a word. I'll tell you, love is God. Love is the most powerful force in all the earth. The love of God has the power to change lives, change generations, change nations. And so we want to grow in the love of God in Victory Faith Church in 2020. Church, I believe 2020 is a year for increase. This is what I've heard in my heart. I want to make a few statements about that. If we're going to experience increase, let me tell you something to be anticipating and believing God for in your personal life. If we're going to experience increase, God will release more favor 
upon our lives. To experience increase will take the work of the favor of God, the power of God's supernatural influence in and upon our lives. Favor is based on the word of God and it is based on your faith in believing what the word of God says about you. Church, each one of us, as we progress through the years of serving God, should anticipate when we've been faithful in a little, God will give us more. Church, you have favor at a certain level, but when you've been faithful in that letter and you've used that favor for the glory of God and for the work of the kingdom of God, you should anticipate an increase in favor as you move to the next level of your service and your usefulness in the kingdom of God. So I want to tell you that is a key to look forward to and to pray about. Of course, to experience favor, church, there must be divine order in our lives. There, uh, we can't just live anyway and have all sorts of funny, funny thinking and even live in disobedience and say, oh Lord, pour out your favor on my life. No, it won't work that way. To obtain more favor of God, there must come more divine order in our lives. On the inside of us, we come into greater divine alignment, but in our families, in our relationships, in the ways that we serve God, church, we must also have more divine order. I want to say another thing about increase. Increase brings some disruption. It brings some disruption in our lives. God will disrupt our normal lives, the way we've been doing things, what we've been doing, the, the measure of what we've been doing, when God is releasing increase, he will disrupt that and he will say, pay attention to me. I've got some things to reveal to you and some things that I'm calling you to do. And so he does this. Why does he disrupt? We've got a good system here. Why does he disrupt? Churches, because he wants to take us forward from where we are today. In other words, the way we're doing it right now and the capacity that we have right now to produce the will of God, if we're going to increase, there will be a disruption of what we've been doing. Pay attention to what God would say to you just like he got Moses' attention in Exodus chapter 3. Moses, for 40 years, had lived on the backside of the desert, and he was tending sheep. Moses was a shepherd. 
So one day, just like the day before, and the day before that, and the day before that, and for 40 years, Moses had been tending the sheep. And then one day when he was out in the field tending the sheep, church, he saw a burning bush. And he walked over. He thought he would examine that bush because it was not being consumed. And then out of the burning bush, God spoke to him and said, Moses, Moses. And the Lord began to instruct Moses that it was time for him to leave tending the sheep and go to Egypt and deliver his people. Moses had been born for such a time as this and for such a mighty assignment from the Lord our God. But God had to disrupt Moses' regular routine. How many of you in here want increase in 2020? Expect some disruption. God may disrupt your prayer life and he may say, I need you to be praying more in the spirit so that I can bring the increase I have in my heart for you. Or he may say, I want you to increase your measure of giving. And then we're going to have to say, Lord, show me how to do this. So God disrupted Moses' normal life, and thank God he was obedient to the heavenly vision. Church, you have to set your heart to be obedient to a vision that is given to a person or a congregation from God. You have to set your heart to be obedient to the heavenly vision because there will be challenges We will all face limitations. We will face impossibilities. But listen to what Paul said in Acts 26 and verse 19 in the New King James Version. He said, therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. You know, I don't want to think so, but there may be be some who will not be obedient to the vision God gives this congregation in 2020. But my prayer is that by far the majority will have Paul's testimony at the end of 2020. I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. In other words, you listen. You paid attention to what God was directing you individually to do to fulfill the heavenly vision. We want this to be our testimony. Now, it wasn't easy for Paul. It is not a heavenly vision is not fulfilled with a snap of a finger because we have an enemy who opposes us and we have our flesh that we have to subdue with the word of God. But in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, just the first part of the scripture, Paul had this, uh, God said to Paul, in the midst 
of a trial that he was going through, God said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Could we read this together, please? My grace is sufficient for you. If you will believe God and set yourself to fulfill the heavenly vision in 2020, God says to every believer who is yearning to do the will of God, my grace is sufficient for you. No matter what challenge, no matter what limitation you face, my grace is sufficient for you. And church, I believe God's grace is sufficient for us in 2020. I want to remind you of just a few things I've said previously. A church, a local church, is a community of called out ones. And every believer is called to be planted in a local church. Do you know it's in the local church that if it's operating by the word of God and by the spirit of God, that you are mostly trained to do God's work? It's in the local church that God trains you and equips you to do the good works that he's called us to do. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are his workmanship. In other words, when we come in to the kingdom of God, church, there is a work for God to do in our lives. He wants to transform our lives. We're born again, but the anointing has not yet been formed in us. The character of Christ of faithfulness has not yet been formed in us. So when we come into the body of Christ, there is a work for the Holy Spirit and the Word to do in our lives. And God trains us and equips us. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So it takes a lot of work, much training, and much equipping for a local church to accomplish all that God has planned for us to do. And we cannot do the will of God by ourselves. I know there are some people that say they're Christians and they don't go to church. I mean, they may be like a lot of unbelievers. A lot of unbelievers come to church on Sunday, I mean on Christmas, and then they, they have this idea, I may go at Easter. And then the only other time they set foot in church is for a wedding or a funeral. Are you with me, church? A lot of unbelievers, I mean, all unbelievers are that way, but do you know a lot of so-called Believers are not faithful in the local church. But we cannot do the will of God by ourselves. That's one of the reasons God's put us in a local church. We have to work together as a local church community to accomplish the good works God has called us to do. And last week, I think it was last week, I shared three things that are essential for a local church 
and believers in that local church to be trained in. Church, when we are newly born again, we are not trained in these ways that are essential for the anointing to be formed in us so that we can accomplish the will of God. And number one was to learn to walk in love. Church, this is one reason God calls us to a local church is that we will learn to walk in love. And then we take that experience to our families, to our friends, to our workplace. Wherever the Lord sends us, we take that vital training of learning to walk in love. And then number two, I shared with you that it is vital for the believer to learn uh, to protect the unity of the Spirit. We learn to walk in unity. We learn to protect the unity of the Spirit. Because church, the Holy Spirit moves through love and unity. The Holy Spirit does not move through strife and division. So this is very vital equipping for the anointing is that we understand we're here to learn to walk in love. We're here to be trained to love others. We're here to be trained to protect the unity of the Spirit. And then number three, I shared last week, we do not seek honor for ourselves. We only seek the honor of God. Church, may I hear an amen? Because in the world, we're taught to seek titles. We're taught to seek position. We're taught to seek fame and fortune. Church, that is a false set of values. And you may find those values in some churches, but that is not a church that the Lord anoints. The Lord anoints people who learn uh, that we do not seek honor for ourselves. The honor, only honor we are seeking is that the name of Jesus may be honored in the nation of Kenya. So today I want to add a fourth key to being useful to God. And this one is as essential as anything else I've named. In fact, it's part of walking in love. It's part of protecting the unity of the Spirit. And number four is tame, T-A-M-E, tame your tongue. Tame your tongue. Everyone say, tame your tongue. This is vital and essential because the tongue was created to be an instrument of faith, an instrument of life, and an instrument of blessing. But none of us were trained that way before we knew Jesus Christ, unless we were born into a Christian family that had this revelation. Church, this is a strong statement. 
but you will not go very far in life or achieve the will of God in his kingdom without learning to control your tongue. I'll tell you, this is one major aspect of being trained in faith, being trained in the will of God, and being trained in being useful in the kingdom of God is to tame your tongue. Your tongue, James 3 and verses 8 through 9. Let me read this to you in the Passion Translation. But the tongue is not able to be tamed. It's a fickle, unrestrained evil that spews out words full of toxic poison. We use our tongue to praise God our Father and then turn around and curse a person who was made in his very image. God, was that it? Yes, through eight through nine. So, church what, verse eight, can we go back to that? The tongue is not able to be trained. In other words, you all by yourself will never get control of your tongue. So many people feel like they're going to explode if they don't say what's on their mind to say. And they're going to say it no matter what effect it has on others. I'm telling you, no human being can train his tongue. How do we train the tongue then? Well, church, we have to fill our hearts with God's word and daily submit our mouth to the Holy Spirit. We have to determine, make this decision, I am going to learn to speak in agreement with God. And I I make that a prayer sometimes. Holy Spirit, help me to speak in agreement with heaven today. See, only the Holy Spirit can help us train our tongue, but we have to understand how important that is and then submit our tongue to God. Church words have meaning. They can release life or death. Your tongue is capable of releasing life, but your tongue is more than capable of releasing death. And all of us have been guilty of that. In fact, your tongue can be a weapon of mass destruction. I've known people who had tongues like that. Everything they said was faithless. Everything they said was negative, fault-finding, critical. Uh, So your tongue can be a, a weapon of mass destruction, and you have to make up your mind, that is not how I'm going to live my life. With the help of God, this tongue of mine is going to be tamed and trained to speak life and blessing, not death and destruction. The wrong use of the tongue can destroy marriages. I mean, you may stay together and live in the same house. But husbands, let me tell you, speak gently to your wives. Speak faith to your wives. 
Speak kindly to your wives. Is every husband hearing me? Every man says, Amen. Wives, are you ready? Speak kindly to your husband. Speak gently to your husband. Don't stick your finger in his face and say, Now, I'm going to tell you. Are you with me, wives? Your tongue can actually destroy your marriage. Oh, you may not divorce, but you have no honor for each other. No, really, you can even, after you've been married 10 or 20 years, using your tongue as a weapon of mass destruction, you may consider each other enemies instead of friends and lovers and husband and wife. Are you with me, church? Oh, the tongue can destroy marriages. It can destroy families. I mean, talking to your children harshly and disrespectfully can, can really wound and damage them. Your tongue can destroy friendships, gossiping, spreading slander. The tongue can destroy friendships. The tongue can destroy churches. I mean, it's a common device of the enemy to spread gossip in a church. But that's why we have to learn to protect the unity of the spirit. We have to be trained in that. The tongue can uh, destroy careers, reputations, and even nations. The tongue is a little member, but oh, it can set wildfire in a nation. The wrong words can leave deep wounds and scars that can only be healed by God. But church words of faith, words of love, can do so much good. And we want to do good in Victory Faith Church. We want to be useful in Victory Faith Church. And so God wants to teach us how to speak words of life and words of blessing to other people. It only takes a few words to bring problems and pain into a person's life. The wrong words wound. Wrong words are what the enemy uses. These are the weapons of the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy. But Proverbs 15 and verse 4 says, when you speak healing words, everyone say healing words. You offer others fruit from the tree of life. Isn't that beautiful? Church, when we speak words of faith and love, do you know we're participating in eating the fruit of the tree of life? So, when you speak healing words, you offer others fruit from the tree of life. But unhealthy, negative words do nothing but crush their hopes. As a church body, it is so important that we make the decision that our tongues and our mouths will be instruments of life and blessing. I'm asking everyone within the sound of my voice 
to make a lifetime decision today. Not just for one day, but for the rest of your life. You are going to believe that God will use your words to bring life and blessing to your family, to your friends, to your local church, to the place you work, to strangers you meet on the street, wherever you go, your tongue. I want us to make a decisive dedication of our tongues today, church. That is for my tongue and as for your tongue, from this day forth, it will bring life and blessing wherever we go. Church, can you hear? Amen. I'll tell you, if we make commitments on these four issues that I brought to you, we will have increase in 2020. This is a very big key, though. The words that come out of our mouth depend upon what's in our hearts. Luke 6.45 says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. Listen, this is a principle for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We know what's in your heart by the words you speak. Hallelujah. Listen to the Passion Translation. People are known in this same way. In other words, we know you in this way. Out of the virtue stored in their hearts, good and upright people will produce good fruit. But out of the evil hidden in their hearts, evil ones will produce what is evil. For the overflow, of what has been stored in your heart will be seen by your fruit and will be heard in your words. Church, this is very serious. It can mean the difference between success and defeat in 2020. It can mean the difference between increase and not experiencing increase. So Jesus himself said, it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. Let me make some statements, church. A critical heart, this means you're critical of others. A critical heart produces a critical tongue. Where does criticism of others come from? It comes from a critical heart. You've got criticism in your heart and you speak it out of your mouth. Let me tell you something about a critical heart. This type of heart can never be truly thankful for anything. They're just critical, critical, critical. A self-righteous heart produces a judgmental tongue. You know, self-righteous means you you just think you're wonderful. You think you're, you can never make a mistake and you're judgmental about other people. A bitter heart, a bitter heart produces a harsh tongue, a severe tongue. 
a harsh tongue, a severe tongue. Church, let's each one of us judge ourselves what has been the fruit of our mouth. An ungrateful heart produces a grumbling spirit. Grumbling, murmuring, complaining means you have an ungrateful heart. Now, a loving heart produces a gracious tongue. When the love of God is formed in your heart, you will become more and more gracious with your speech. A faithful heart produces a truthful tongue. When you're faithful, when you have integrity of heart, it produces a truthful tongue. A peaceful heart, a peaceful heart produces a healing tongue. A healing tongue. A trusting heart. You trust in God. You trust in his word produces an encouraging tongue. As a church, let's fill our hearts with grace by filling our hearts with the word of God. Let's make Psalm 141.3 a prayer. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Because church, your covenant of blessing works with your mouth. The covenant of life works with your mouth. That's Psalm 141 verse 3. And in the Passion Translation, it says, God, now this is a prayer for us to make. Give me grace to guard my lips from speaking what is wrong. Church, the world is full of death. The world is full of words of death. Let's not join with the devil, who is the father of lies, by speaking words that agree with him. But we're children of God. We're born of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> we are from God, and we believe in his son, Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ is the word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus Christ was the Word made flesh. Let's agree with him, with our tongue. And let me begin closing. Let's make a decision today as Victory Faith Church that Proverbs 10 and verse 11 will be fulfilled in our mouth. In the New Living, it says, the words of the godly are a life-giving fountain. So we want our words, beginning today, to be a life-giving fountain. Now it says, the words of the wicked conceal violent intentions. In other words, they have it in their hearts to harm another person, to take advantage of another person, and so on. 
Church, how can our mouths become a life-giving fountain? We, we want that picture that out of our mouth, from this time forward, words of life will flow forth. How can we do that? Practically, how can we do that? Well, one, encourage others more. Speak encouraging words to others. Speak positive, grace-filled words to other people. Now, I know in life you do have to sometimes bring correction. Make sure you're not correcting more than you're encouraging. Hallelujah. Sometimes that's challenging. But here's a formula when you need to bring correction. First of all, speak something positive to that person. I really appreciate that you da-da-da-da-da. So bring forth encouragement first. Then bring forth the correction in the middle. Don't just meet that person and stick your finger in your face, in their face and start in correcting them. You know, sometimes we may feel like doing that. But speak encouraging words first. Then bring forth the correction and then conclude with encouraging words. Hallelujah. So, let each one of us make a decision today. We're going to encourage others more. Look for opportunities to speak kind, tender-hearted words. Kind. How much have you purposed to speak kindly? Kind tender-hearted words. Church, people very often are hurt and they need kindness. Can we purpose from today we're going to be sure we speak plenty of kind words to others. It may be just like medicine on a wound in their heart to hear a kind word from you. Speak affectionate words to others. Say to them, I really appreciate you. I love you. I think you're wonderful. So on and so forth. Affectionate words to others to let them know that they are valued. Another point. Speak purpose to speak words to build others up. And that, that give grace to those who hear them. Ephesians 4.29 in the New Living Translation says, Don't use foul or abusive language. Church, don't threaten and abuse other people. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Church, may the mouths of the people of Victory Faith be filled with grace. May our mouths be... This is a very critical point of increase, is the words of our mouths. 
May our mouths be filled with grace toward others. And Acts 20, and I'm closing with this. Acts 20, 32 in the New King James. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Church, let's speak words that build others up. Can you say amen?